Well, good morning, Springhouse. It is a great morning to be here. If you aren't able to be here, we have a number of people sick. I hope you're joining us on live stream today. Uh, thank you for joining us today, uh, wherever you are. Wherever you are is where you are. Is that right? Yes. Is that true? Yeah. Tuesday, we have a special event coming up, and uh, we're going to have this event whether it's 80 degrees or 25 degrees outside. Uh, and so while maybe some of you are thinking, I'm going to wear that costume uh, that, you know, is that thin piece of plastic, you know, you don't have to wear a costume. Come and wear a jacket. Let's operate with some wisdom and be warm. Uh, but I promise you, it's not going to stop the kids from coming on Tuesday night, the weather. So, so come. We're having the, uh, the event. Starts at 530. If you are serving, we'd ask you to be here at 430. We're going to have a, a very brief time of prayer at 430 before we get started. Uh, and then we're going to enjoy the evening together, okay? So uh, make plans to be here. It's going to be a really, uh, a really exciting evening, I believe. And uh, I'm praying that God's going to do some things uh, on Tuesday night. Um, one of the, uh, one of the wonderful gifts that we have here at Springhouse is we have a bevy of really anointed, talented, gifted speakers. And I knew, uh, when I was, uh, you know, when I took this appointment as lead pastor, one of the out of the gate things was Kevin, your voice is not going to be the only one in the pulpit. And man, I've just been so richly blessed over the last several years of hearing multiple voices come and share with us, uh, what God is saying. And, um, I'm especially excited today because I walk away challenged and, um, just energized and faith just bolstered anytime I hear Rhonda Frazier speak. And this morning, we're going to get the treat of hearing Rhonda Frazier. Would you welcome her, please? Thank you. Good morning. Uh, I'm Rhonda. That's my husband, Michael. If you don't know us, we've been around a long time, but not everybody has. So uh, that's us. Uh, today, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 20. And if you are a... Uh, a keeper of, uh, of notes and things you might say, well, we, we were in Matthew 21 last week and a couple of, maybe a week before that or two weeks before that, we were in Matthew 22. Yes, we know. Uh, we, we know how to count and how, this, how the numbers work, uh, but some things, and this is just how it came down. So I'm sharing from Matthew 20 today. Uh, so if you would, please, uh, would you stand and we're going to read, I'm going to read on an angle. So I hope I don't miss anything. And uh, for... Uh, uh, let's read with some gusto uh, as we're reading. And it, guys, it's 16 verses. Uh, it's going to feel like a long time. Okay, it's 16 verses. But we're, we're not going to, I read at a, I read at a teacher's pace. So here we go. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. 
He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the 11th hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. When, thank you. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us. You borne the work and the burden of, I just messed that all up. There you go, you did it. And he did it. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The word of the Lord, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his teachings. Would you help us to be good listeners and learners today as we lean into this story? Give us fresh eyes to see beyond the familiar. Give us soft hearts to respond to your word. Let everything that does not draw us closer to you be quickly forgotten. Father, help us to look more like Jesus at the end of this day than we do right now. For our good and your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Matthew 20, 1 through 16. This passage, like I labeled it there, is the workers in the vineyard. That might be what it's labeled in your Bible. If you have titles above that, it might be called laborers in the, uh, in the vineyard. And if we were doing an inductive Bible study, right, you'd read the passage several times and maybe try to ignore that and see if you could come up with fresh eyes for what it might be called. And if you're reading along like I was, I don't know, I think we might need to title it, It's Not Fair. Seems like some stuff is going on here that doesn't quite seem fair. There are definitely components of this parable that grate against the American worker's ideas and the American dream. Depending on where you place your focus, this parable might make us squirm a little bit. We might think it's not fair. Is it fair that I was assigned one of the parables that Jesus doesn't explain? 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of passages and parables in Matthew that Jesus doesn't, he doesn't call his guys, hey guys, huddle up, huddle up. When I said that really weird stuff over there, this is what I meant. We don't get that here. So we're left to think. And so we might come up with, it's not fair. I had a teacher in the ninth grade, Miss Clary. She was my world geography teacher and the uh, yearbook advisor. And uh, that was her favorite thing to say to us kids at the time. Life's not fair. Have you ever encouraged someone with that? That's very encouraging. (laughs) If you're a teacher or a parent, you might have used that before. Another thing that we might consider is that this story is going to rub us the wrong way if, and bump up against these ideas of fairness because we assume some things about ourselves. Now, scholars are going to tell us that um, if we're really thinking the early workers are probably the Pharisees and the Jews, the people who are listening, and the later workers would be sinners and, um, and Gentiles, and that was the day of Jesus and who was listening at the time. I don't know about you and me, but we are not those people, all of them, they are listening. So we have to find ourselves in the story. And if we find ourselves in the story, we probably most definitely, if you've got any little bit of gumption about yourself, you're a first hire. You're an early bird gets the worm kind of worker. You're the worker who went to bed early, laid out your clothes, packed your lunch. You set the alarm. You got up before the crack of dawn and you got hired in that first round. We assume we are the best workers, the hardest workers, the first workers the ones who bore the burden of the work and the heat of the day. And if that is our mindset, if that's who we try to identify with in this story, it might make us shout, it's not fair. But what if we are in the place of the workers hired later in the day? This story could have a completely different title. I love a good story, love a good story with a plot twist, something you didn't see coming, and that's just what this parable gives us. So let's see what we can notice as we look back through the text. There are three primary characters in this parable. Uh, These are characters that Jesus uses often when he's telling us stories, and if you've been around parables for a while, these are not new characters for you either. It's a landowner, a steward or a manager or foreman, right? Same guy rolled into the role and people who need a job, people who need to work. Verse one, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. Oh, did you catch that? The landowner went out, not the foreman, not the steward, not someone else doing his bidding. The landowner went out to gather his workers. And the landowner offers a contract to the workers that is a standard contract for the day. He wasn't trying to undercut them. He wasn't trying to get them to come in on the cheap. He offered them a denarius for their day's labor. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them in to the vineyard. He was paying them what they were worth. 
The workers who were gathered in the marketplace uh, on this time, it reminds me of scenes they, uh, that I've only seen in movies because I'm, I'm not this old, um, is during the, like the Great Depression era, right? Great Depression, not, not more workers than there were jobs, right? And you see in, in those movies, we'll see people gathered up and around and they're all standing at the, at the, at the door and you've got a foreman or somebody who comes out with clipboard and he's looking around and he knows he, he's gonna hire a few people. Okay, he's looking on the crowd, okay. Marcus, Marcus is in, yeah. Wayne, I'll take, uh, okay, I'll take Wayne. All right, um, Jimena, okay, Jimena, one more. Uh, I like Michael, we'll take Michael, okay. All right, so that foreman is gonna pick the strongest, the sharpest, somebody with connections. When the slots are filled, everybody else walks away without a job. Was that what happened in the marketplace that morning? We actually have no idea, <laughs> right? The, the word doesn't tell us, but so we can think, we can imagine, look, how would that story play out? Did Jesus, did, did the landowner hire everybody who was there at 6 a.m.? Maybe. Or did he offer a job to everybody at 6 a.m.? And like we heard Ronnie, uh, Pastor Ronnie talk about the two sons last week, one said yes, but he didn't go. I'll take the job, oh, I'm not gonna show up. That's gonna be really hot today. So I, I think I'll pass. What we do know is that the landowner came back. About the third hour, 9 a.m., he went back and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. Ah, something to notice. Not an actual contract, not an actual you work, I'm gonna pay you a denarius. No actual money talked about here, just I'll pay you what is right. What can we learn from that? The landowner is trustworthy. You can depend on him to do what is right. He can be trusted. But the landowner doesn't stop here. He goes back out, verse five. He went out again about the sixth hour at noon and the ninth hour at three, and he did the same thing. And here Matthew gets short with the word, same thing. What was that same thing? You come work for me, I'll pay you what is right. And then... Despite all best business practices, the landowner goes back to the marketplace. This is the 11th hour. This is five o'clock in the afternoon. And he went out and he found others standing around and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one hired us. They said, and he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Ah, those workers were promised nothing except a job. Those workers weren't said, what's right? I'll make it right with you. They were given an opportunity to go into the vineyard and they went. The landowner's actions can seem odd for us, right? If we start to think about who the landowner is, 
Did the landowner not know how many workers he needed? Had he miscalculated how many he needed to start the day? Had he not understood how much work there was to do? Did he underestimate the size of the harvest? Were the first workers really slow and he had to get more hands in? Jesus doesn't tell us. So we can question and wonder. The landowner is a representative for God and God knows all and could never miscalculate the needs of his kingdom. So the question then to think about is, were those late in the day hires more about what the workers needed than what the landowner needed? Is it possible that the landowner in this story was less focused on his harvest and his profit and more focused on the fact that there were men who needed work, families who needed to be fed, men who needed a purpose in the kingdom? And now we move into the final scene in the story. Up at verse 8. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. This is what I call plot twist number two. The men who had worked all day, 12 hours, the full day, had to get at the end of the line. Well, that seems kind of odd. Seems if you showed up first, you get the clock out first. But they had to wait. So the workers who were hired at the 11th hour came forward to receive a denarius. And a denarius is a, if you look in in your uh, little notes, it's a Roman coin. And um, this is not a denarius for full uh, disclosure. Uh, This is a quarter, all right? Um, So depending on uh, which website you check, um, a denarius is going to range from about the value of six cents to uh, less than than $2, $1.48, something like that. So I'm going to let a quarter represent that. And I don't know about you, but I'm not getting very excited about this quarter. That doesn't seem like very much. I don't have a lot of emotional attachment to this quarter. And I don't know, you have a quarter, you have a quarter, everybody gets a quarter. What difference does it make? It's just a quarter. But it's a day's wage. So let's think about what that might mean for us. If we are in the story, let's just be in the story, right? So the latest, uh, the latest numbers that I could find were from October the 19th. And on October the 19th, uh, the average uh, hourly wage in the States, in the U.S., we cannot look at the world because Ke- Pastor Kevin has already told us we're rich and we can't look at what's happening in the rest of the world related to uh, economics. So we'll have to just look at it. So on October the 19th, the average uh, hourly wage was $15.13. And this was a 12-hour shift. So let's just extrapolate that and do some math. That's uh, $181.56. And so let's just call it $182. I don't know. I feel some kind of way about that. I feel some kind of way about $182. Right? Not so much this. A lot about this. 
Does that feel different when we see those dollars? Can you imagine the anticipation of the six o'clock hires at the end of the line as they watched that 5 p.m., that 11th hour hire who had just spent one hour in the field when he walked up with his shaky hand? Was he even going to get paid? That might be what he was thinking, but he walks up and the foreman goes, and then he does it again and again and again for every 11th hour hire. Can you imagine? I think the fastest math in the universe was happening at the end of, you know, they were like the calculators in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in you know, for, that NASA used to use before, before computers. And they're down there calculating, what does this mean for us? Okay, they're getting 182. They, there's some people, they worked three hours. So they're going to get, that's $546. And then six, the six-hour guys, 1,092. Those guys, oh boy. Okay, $1,638. And guys, 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 we are making bank. We are going to walk out of here with $2,184 dues. That's what they were expecting. Were they already spending the money? Were they already they running, they running a list? Yeah, okay. I'm not even going to show up to the marketplace tomorrow. I'm not even, I might even quit my job. I've hit the jackpot, right? What were those late hires thinking? What did their faces look like? They had had no promise at all. And they walk up and the foreman under the direction of the generous landowner has just said, all your needs today are now met. And every man who came after heard the same thing. And even though the first hires watched and they didn't see the number go up, it stayed the same, they were still hopeful. They'd been there all day. We've been here all day. We, he is not going to just give us $182. We are not just going to get a denarius. He can't do that to us. It's not fair. And everybody's probably thinking at this point, our boss is crazy and we like it. (laughs) He is throwing money around. He's making it rain up in here. (laughs) Plot twist number two, this plot twist is crucial to the story. The first workers had to witness the generosity. The first hired needed to see the heart of the landowner. And if they had gotten paid first, they would have walked away and maybe never even knew. But then it's their turn to walk up. So when those who came, who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them received a denarius. And even though it was this, don't you know in their hearts, that's what it felt like.
I didn't get what I was expecting. I didn't get what I deserved. Can you see their faces? These workers move instantly from toasting world's best boss to he's the worst. It's not fair. Verse 11, when they received it, they begin to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour and you have made them equal with us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. And in this declaration, their hearts are revealed. They grumbled, they protested, you have made them equal with us. And it's not fair. Oh, hey, first workers, how you feeling now? How does it feel? Verse 13. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do with my own money what I wish? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Now, I don't know about you, but, and maybe it's just because I'm a teacher, but when he says, friend, I'm not being unfair. You ever call somebody a friend when you just couldn't say their name? Talking to a student, you need to regulate yourself. You need them to regulate their emotions. You go, friend, something's going wrong. Friend, let's, you know, that's how, I, that's how that comes across to me. Were the workers upset that the landowner was generous with the late hires? Maybe not. Everybody likes to see somebody being generous. You want to be at the table where somebody's picking up the tab, right? You want, to be, you want to be a part of a big party where a lot of generosity is being thrown around. Their problem was the inequity of the generosity. They wanted the same extravagant generosity to be lavished on them. They deserved it, they thought. They were owed it, they thought, and they grumbled. And we might be tempted to agree with these workers. It doesn't seem fair from the world's point of view. How does this play out in any kind of equity or fairness? And that would be something for us to really look at if this parable was about work or economics or best labor practices. But the point of this parable is not a guide on how to treat employees. Jesus' words and teaching and the twists and turns of this story highlight the unimaginable nature and depth of God's grace and mercy and unfailing love. The kingdom that Jesus lays out before us is not one in which we get what we deserve. We are invited to be in the vineyard and being there means our, we get our daily bread. We get God. And in getting him, we have access to his abundant grace and unfailing love. R.C. Sproul says that 
Some workers in the story got grace and mercy. Some workers got justice, but no one got injustice. God cannot deal with us unjustly. And man, am I glad about that. Now, shall we address the elephant in the vineyard? If all these workers got the same pay, no matter when they showed up, what's the incentive to show up at six o'clock? Let's just sleep in. Let's just wait it out. Landowner's coming back anyway, right? He'll, he'll come back around. I'll circle back around. I'll be in the noon group. I don't know. I'm feeling good. I'll, I'll be in the 11 o'clock group today. That, at the, at the, the 11th hour group today. It's fine. It's fine. Because we're all going to get paid the same, right? Human nature. She's a funny thing. This idea completely discounts that there are benefits galore in the vineyard. There are benefits to being in God's hire and in God's employee for as long as you possibly can be. It puts forth the idea that it's better out there than it is in here. Have you been in the world? Have you seen the world? Are you in it now? Have you lived under the stress and poverty and abuse of the world systems? Are you dying and suffering there now? What scars do you bear from the world systems? The world on its best day is merely a wispy shadow of any day in the kingdom of God. Even if we feel like we are bearing the work and the heat of the day. It is foolish to think it is better out there and we'll just wait it out and come in late. It is foolish because God's kingdom is a kingdom of grace and mercy. Jesus gives the disciples and his followers this parable after some questions rose up in Matthew 18. Uh, we read about those. That's where the, the little quarrel comes up about who's the greatest. And there was a plot twist there too. Jesus brings a child in front of them and said, exhibit A, right? He's been blowing their minds with stories of, hey, leave the 99 sheep, go look after that one. He challenged them to forgive more times than they could count. And in Matthew 19, he instructs them to sell everything and follow him, which leads them to the question, who can even be saved? And even Peter is wondering if it's worth it. Is it worth getting to the marketplace at 6 a.m.? I've left everything to follow you. What will there be for us? And as we heard Pastor Kevin a few weeks ago, Jesus describes those rewards that are coming at the renewal of all things. And it certainly sounds like the disciples are gonna make out pretty good in the end. And just when they might have been thinking that about themselves, oh boy, some rewards are coming, all right? It's gonna be a little bit later, but they're coming. Jesus says, Matthew 19, 30, which is the bookend the first bookend for this passage. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And then he leads right into 
for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. And then Jesus wraps this parable with like the, uh, the chiral uh, uh, formation of this, uh, the same words, but in an opposite uh, direction. He says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. And the reversal from Matthew 19 to 30 over to Matthew 20, 16, sort of just pounds it home. My kingdom is different. The beautiful upside down, first, last, last, first kingdom runs on grace. It's powered by grace. It's filled with the words of eternal life, John 6, 68. It exudes righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom brings life and life abundant, John 10, 10. It abounds in grace. There is no shortage of grace for me if you receive grace. There is an infinite supply to meet our needs. If you are here today and you're going to pray with people who uh, might come forward for prayer, could you take those positions? And just as we wrap up this twisty parable, I've got a couple of questions that I'd like for you to consider. Are you a person who's standing idle in the marketplace? Maybe you think you've never gotten an invitation to come and work. I'd like to tell you today, that the king of the universe is asking you to come and be a part of his kingdom and his vineyard and your daily needs will be met. Or maybe you're a person who's back in the marketplace and you were that person that were, you were hedging your bets. You go, he's gonna come around again. He's gonna come around again. I'll catch it the next time. Guess what? He's coming around again for you. God is here for you. Maybe you're a part of the kingdom team and you've, uh, you've got lost focus from where you should be looking at. What part of this story are you focused on? You need grace for fresh eyes and a soft heart. Maybe you've begrudged the grace that you see in other people's lives, or maybe you have held back being a conduit of grace for someone because you are trying to hold on to something and God says, there's enough, there's grace for you. Or maybe you just need somebody to wrap their arms around you and say, there's grace and mercy for whatever situation you're walking through. The altars are open and we're gonna worship and I would just invite you. There is grace. There was grace at the table there's grace here. There is no shortage. Let's worship.